This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. This is the 17th edition of Sports and Stuff. Today, as my special guest, I have former college basketball star, an NBA player, and also a former member of the Seattle Supersonics, Zaid Abdul Aziz. I want to give a little background here about you, Zaid. And my show customarily starts with a little introduction of my guest. Zaid is a father and husband. Zaid is a New York City native. Iowa State basketball star, two-time All-American Iowa State. Zade was selected for the U.S. Olympic team in 1968. Zade played about 10 seasons in the NBA, including a couple years in, here in Seattle for the uh, late Seattle Supersonics. Zade is the author of a terrific 2006 autobiography, Darkness to Sunlight, The Lifelong Journey of Zade Abdulaziz, Don Smith. The foreword of this terrific book is written by NBA legend Oscar Robertson. I have read the book. I recommend... Zaid's autobiography listeners. The book goes way beyond sports. It's a very human book that hits on a lot of subjects. Um, today we're going to learn more about Zaid's career, his life. We're going to discuss his book. And we'll get from some thoughts from Zaid about subjects uh, within and outside the world of sports. Zaid, first of all, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Well, uh, thank you, Paul. I'm really happy to be here. And, uh, and it's really amazing that I know you as a friend. But I didn't know you love basketball so much, especially the Sonics. So uh, it's kind of uh, sentimental to me that you know that you love the Sonics so much, a team that we lost uh, some years ago. Well, Zay, I appreciate that. We've been friends now for over a decade, and I'm I'm really happy to have you have you join me. I have been a sports fan, and it's been fun to have the show and have uh, some terrific guests such as you. Say, I want to start a little bit about your background. And I know you grew up in the Brooklyn borough of New York City, and you had a very interesting and challenging childhood. I don't want to give away everything about your book. I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of those like, book reviewers that gives away the whole book. I don't want to do yeah, that. Well. But, but can you tell us a little bit about growing up in Brooklyn um, in the 1950s and 60s? Well, it was just amazing. Uh, uh, many parts of New York City, they had certain uh, gangs, and uh, I would say on a, a radius of maybe five blocks by five blocks, it was a gang. And you had to uh, be a member of that gang even to get along to do anything. Uh, and uh, that's what I caught, caught myself getting into as a, at the age of, what, 12 or 13 years old. And I want to ask you a little bit more about, Zaid, about what you um, overcame as a, as a kid growing up in, in New York City, but I believe you also overcame a speech impediment? Yes, I had a speech impediment, uh, uh, and the only person that knew what I was saying was my sister. So the school, they would call call my sister and say, uh, Be- uh, Beverly, uh, we don't understand what your brother's talking about. Can you come come over to the school and talk, you know, find out, tell us what he's saying? So she would come over, and I would go, I want to go Scoovies. And she would say, what's that? I said, I want to go Scoovies. So then my sister says, oh, you don't understand. She said to the teachers and the principal, well, you know what he wants? He said he wants to go to the movies. <laughs> okay. See, by the way, I, I, the fact, when you say that you had a speech impediment, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that because I've had so many conversations with you for over a decade. I just I don't, I don't see any signs of it. Well, sometimes, you know, things could be psychological. Uh, I, I guess it was something I had to grow out of. And that's why uh, there's a lot of kids who grew up in New York City, uh, they gave up on those kids and uh, because they had a speech impediment or, you know, uh, uh, a different type of, uh, you know, problem and people gave up on them. But my, my sister never gave up on me. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons I was able to overcome the speech impediment. 
Really interesting, Zane. I, didn't, I, I knew a little bit about how you overcame it, but I didn't know all those uh, details. Um, Zane, again, I, I don't want to give away everything in your book because I want the listeners to read it. But there's an interesting story how you almost went to prison as a teenager, but you ended up being placed on probation. And being placed on probation rather than prison really affected your life, didn't it? Yes, it did. That's why I, I tell people you have to be careful of your friends who you hang out with. Because if you if you don't know who you're hanging, hanging out with, uh, the law is not for, very forgiving if, you, if you're arrested with that person. That's, that's what happened to me. I was with these two guys. They were bad guys. I was a basketball player. And I guess it was just peer pressure. I was with them one night. A guy went up and did a burglary. He hit, he, he hit a person. And they, uh, and they said I was, I was the one who did it. I was, me, I wasn't even close to uh, the, the, the scene of the crime. I was about five blocks away at a playground. But they arrested me and another guy. And they said we did it. We had no bail. And it was, I was in prison for three months. And, and Zaid, based on what I read in your book, if you had gone to prison for a couple of years, you may have never gone to Iowa State University, right? Of course. Uh, you know, when I came out of prison, I, you know, I, 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 I just couldn't believe that I, I, I got out because I was facing four felonies. Uh, and each felony was 15 years. So four times 15 is 60 years. That's what I was fa- facing at Rikers Island uh, Penitentiary. And uh, I had a clean record, uh, and uh, and my, my my dad was a police officer, and uh, he kind of helped me uh, get through that uh, very trying time. Fascinating story. This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with my special guest, Zaid Abdul, Zaid Abdulaziz. Zaid, um, you were a very top-notch high school basketball player in New York City, and you went to Ames, Iowa, and attended Iowa State University. What was it like, Zay, for an African-American kid from Brooklyn going to Ames, Iowa in that era? Well, in the beginning, it was very difficult, and, uh, you know, everybody has to come out of their, their threshold and, 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 and start to integrate with other people is the lesson I learned. Because when I came from Brooklyn, it was 99% black, and I went to a school that was 98% white, so I had to adopt, had to adapt, and to and and, and to you know uh, culturally be around things I never knew existed in the black world, such as uh, some of the music that they played, uh, hermits, hermits, and I love the Beatles. Don't get me wrong, but I was really used to the uh, the doo wop sound, the uh, the Motown sound, so. Uh, it was quite different, and uh, you know, I did I, I did uh, experience some racism, but as I grew up, I found that the racism is only a, a, a lack of knowledge. So I, I, I forgive, you know, I forgave everybody that you know I felt that there were race, racists against me. A lot of truth that say that, that a lot of bigotry and racism is lack of knowledge. But say when you're growing up in Brooklyn, though, I mean, you were around. Um, Italian communities, Jewish communities. It wasn't all black in Brooklyn, though, by any means, was it? No, back then, everybody had a respect for each other. You know, you had the Irish community, the Jewish community, the, the black community, uh, Puerto Rican. Sure. And, we, we, you know, we, 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 we had boundaries and we, we respected one another, even though, you know, we did fight each other from time to time, you know. Uh, 
but what else are you going to do if it's 90 degrees in the summertime and, you know <laughs> and you know you have nothing to do and you you start you know you start having uh you know uh, fights among yourselves people start to unleash a little bit well Zay, you had a very prominent career at iowa state university two-time all-american i'm going to get to a little bit more about your 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 basketball career uh, in a minute but i want to ask about something else and you obviously have a perspective as a college basketball player today in an interview commissioner adam silver came out and said that he's opened the idea of college basketball players being paid what's your take on that subject Zay? whoa wow that's a tough one uh <laughs> i mean in respect to everything that's going on with these uh ncaa investigations fbi uh investigations and stuff i think if 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 that's going to solve the problem then why not so you you think there could be some system set up to pay college athletes then yeah but i don't know how so um adam silver has you know a lot of work to do in trying to see you know uh uh, see how you're going to do that because you know saying saying it is is one thing and doing it is another Implementing it can be challenging with Title IX issues and all that stuff as exactly, well. Exactly, exactly. It was interesting, though, that the uh, pro sports commissioner uh, came out with that I, in support of that general idea today. Okay, Zay, you were the number five draft pick in the 1968 draft. As I mentioned earlier, you had a prominent uh, approximate, ten-year, approximate 10-year NBA career. You played for, for six franchises. Um there was no chart, no charter planes in those days for teams, was there? <laughs> no, we went commercial. We went, uh, we went, we went with everybody else uh, on the plane, and uh, it was tough. We, we we played basketball because we loved it, uh, and uh, today that's why basketball today, NBA basketball, is kind of confusing to me because it's not the same as I I knew way back in the day. You guys were a little more blue collar, weren't you? Oh yeah, yeah. We we we, we like I said, we, we loved the game, we played it, and and we you know we did what the coach told us to do. You Different know? era. But today there's a hierarchy, and uh, sometimes a coach a player can go over the coach's head, go to the general manager, and fire that coach. Uh, we didn't do that back back in my day. Paul Schneiderman on sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with my special guest Zaid Abdulaziz. Zaid, I could talk to you for hours about your your. Um, long MBA career, but I want to ask you a little bit about certain questions about your career. And you mentioned in your book that you thought the Sonics owner, Sam Shulman, was a good MBA owner. What was so good about Sam as a sports owner? Well, Sam, <laughs> let me give you a perfect example. Okay. One time I was over by the Western, Western Hotel. So I'm walking across the street and I hear, I hear somebody go, Don, Don! And I look across the street, and I, I can't, you know, I, my eyes are not that good to begin with, but <laughs> I looked across the street, I saw this kind of gray man, short man, and I kept looking, and I said, that's, that's Sam Schulman. Who's he calling? So he was calling me, Don, Don. So he says, come on, have dinner with me. So I went over to the Western Hotel, and me and Sam Schulman had dinner. And you were a player on his team at that yeah, time? Yeah, I was a player on his team. So... He had no uh, his he had no ego, you know. Of course, he was a businessman, but he was an open open minded guy. That's why you know Spencer loved him so much, Spencer Haywood, because him and Spencer they took on the NBA and uh, and they won. Well, I may be asking about that whole case in a, in a couple minutes if I have some time. Well, interesting story. I, I I you don't hear about players liking sports owners that much, but in your book you wrote some favorable things about Sam Schulman. Yeah. 
Zade, um, you played for the Sonics. Uh, you had, I think, two stints playing for the Sonics in the 1970s. Yes. And this was before the Mirrors and Seahawks came to town. Right. Um, for you, Zade, was Seattle a little bit between Ames, Iowa, and New York City? You, you know, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I would say right in between. You know, I brought my sister out here, and I moved into Bellevue, and she said, you know, she's from Brooklyn like me, but she said uh, she, she could hear the grass grow. And she ran, <laughs> she ran back to Brooklyn, so she didn't like it here at all. But uh, Seattle, to me, is a very nice city. Uh, it, it doesn't snow that much. I mean, it, we had about two inches of snow this winter, and today's a, today was 60 degrees. Uh, so, you know, you can't find too many cities like that. You, what, uh, you, know, uh, you know, very little snow. I mean, uh, I, they had a blizzard in New York uh, just just the last couple of days. They had like I think eight feet of snow. So you still got that Brooklyn accent, Zay, a little bit going. Yeah. By the way, well, it comes out at now and then, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, when I go when I go back into my memories of things, uh, it comes out Brooklyn. Paul Schneiderman on sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Zaid Abdulaziz. Zaid, when you played in the NBA, uh, the American Basketball Association was around those days. The ABA uh, had a little bit of a falling in the 1970s. Did you ever consider playing the ABA? Uh, not really. Uh, I got a few letters from uh, ABA teams, you know, when I was uh, All-American at Iowa State. And, uh, you know, uh, a lot of them knew I would be a number one pick. And they, they wanted me to go to them. I think the New York... What's the name of that team? New Jersey uh, New York Nets. New York Nets. That's right. They they offered me. Uh, they they said they wanted me to uh, be a member of the ABA. But I always I you know I just wanted to be an NBA player. You know, the ABA had that great red and white ball. Though. Exactly. It was it, it was too too circus to me. Too so. <laughs> circus. It's funny. Zade, um, I know you've worked as a chemical dependency counselor. Yes. Throughout your career mm-hmm. and. There was a perception, and of course, perceptions aren't always reality, but there was a perception there was a lot of drugs in the NBA in the 1970s. Did that problem or issue play a role in your decision to become a chemical dependency counselor? No, no, no. It was back in Brooklyn, most of the guys I grew up with, they became heroin addicts. And so I, you know, when I wanted to, I said to myself, I wanted to do something to remember them and to help those other people who, who came, you know, who, who came after me. Came before me and to try to stop the you know the prevalence of heroin addiction, opiate addiction. Even today, you know, like West Virginia, they have a massive epidemic of heroin, and also Ohio. So, but what what I start finding out when I without when I would tell people I'm a chemical dependency chemical dependency professional, they would say, oh, he 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 used. No, I've never used in my life. I smoked marijuana when I was a kid, right. but I've never used any hard drugs like heroin or cocaine or in any of those. So uh, that's that's what that's what made me kind of retire because I didn't want to associate my name with uh, with with drug use. And, and so, if you hear chemical dependency uh, uh, professional, or you're just gonna just imply that I used, and it's something I had to get over. Well, I don't think that's fair because there's a lot of chemical dependency counselors who never use drugs themselves. So exactly. I think that's just a stereotype, perhaps. So. Exactly. It's a big stereotype. But it was something I had to work through, and uh, and I worked through it when I was writing my book because I changed the direction. I changed my career. I went from chemical dependency to becoming a writer. Yeah, you're a good writer too, Zade. Zade, uh, you played for, I believe, six NBA teams in six different cities. I hope I got that right. 
And I remember you told me once, Zade, when you and I were chatting, you really like playing in Buffalo. Was Buffalo your favorite NBA city you played in? No, not at all. Not at all. My favorite NBA city was Houston because I signed a three-year contract with the Houston Rockets, and I couldn't be cut. Uh, it was a pure, you know, no-cut contract. And so in the beginning of my career, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't played right, especially when I played in Cincinnati. I, I, I played like one minute a game. And uh, it was something I'll never forget. That's what I told you. I, I, I had a special secret. And the secret was, is, is that uh, I never got over the one or two minutes I, a game I played in Cincinnati. Something you just, you just don't forget, you know, because I'm pretty competitive. I think a lot. But I, I, even to this day, I think about what could have been if they would have let me just, you know, play. Because we had we had Oscar, we had Jerry Lucas, we could have won the championship. Great but players. They just never, they never, uh, the coach just never played me, and I don't know to this day why. I suspect why, because he was a coach of Oscar and the starting center, uh, Connie Durking, and uh, Jerry Lucas. They, you know, uh, uh, Ed Jucker was a coach for uh, Oscar and uh, uh, Connie Durking, and I guess he was trying to protect. Connie Durkin, who was a starting center for the Cincinnati Royals, they didn't want me to play. Did they draft you as a number five pick, or was that Milwaukee? No, that was that was Cincinnati. Gosh! But when I got there, they wouldn't play me. So even though I only averaged nine points and nine rebounds a game in my career, that's misleading because I started very low on the bottom because they would put me in a minute, take me out, put me in for one minute, take me out, and that went on for almost four months. So I started average wise way in the basement in the in the cellar. Interesting that as a number five pick, they weren't playing you that much. Zeta, uh, you mentioned this uh, a couple minutes ago. As as we know, Spencer Haywood, your friend and former teammate, went to the U.S. Supreme Court to fight for the rights of players to play rather than having to wait uh, four years after graduating high school. Now I read in your book, Zay, that you came close to to raising that issue and being a litigate in the case regarding uh, the right to, d- to decide not to play for a team. I've, yeah, it was a curve flood issue. Yeah, it was like a curve flood issue yeah. uh, because uh, Cincinnati drafted me. They got rid of me. I went to Milwaukee. I got to Milwaukee. They got rid of me in Milwaukee. And, and the only reason they got rid of me was because of, it was politics. So I got kind of a, when I was in Milwaukee and when, when they you know when they let me go, I told them I wasn't going to the Sonics. I was a, you know I, I just I couldn't you know I was going to take it to the Supreme Court like pretty, pretty much like Spencer, but I was talked out of it by my mother. And it's and it's interesting, Zay, that that you ended up you ended up having a good career in Seattle and you end up settling in Seattle. So there's a little bit of an irony there as well. It is an irony, and, and, and I love I love Seattle. Well, obviously, I'm here, and I've been here for quite a while. Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with Zayd Abdulaziz. Zayd, in, in 1973, you made a decision to convert to Islam. Can you share with us a little about what went on in, in your decision? to? Yeah, what, ha- what happened? One day, I was, I was playing with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and Kareem came over to me. I was a Christian. I had a cross on, a gold cross. I'll never forget it. Kareem came over to me, and he... Uh, he, he looked at my cross, and he, he touched it. He said, what is that? I said, that's my cross. And then he said, okay, and he just walked away. So when he said, okay, it was okay, and I went, well. Then I, then I went, okay, I'm a Christian, but I really don't know anything about my religion. So I went to the Milwaukee Library, 
Uh, I got a Bahava Gita, I got a Quran, I got a, a Torah, and I got a, uh, uh, a Bible. And I said, whatever I find to be true, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept it. And I found, uh, I found the Quran to be very enlightening and a very, very good book, great book. And Zaid, did you find it difficult at all in your playing days to be a practicing Muslim and Muslim athlete? Uh, yes, and it, and, 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 it, and it began when I was playing for the Houston Rockets and I was fasting in Ramadan and I came out with a vitamin deficiency because I was, we were having uh, two-a-days. That means we would, we would practice 10 o'clock in the morning, come back and play 4 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, have practice at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was doing that do, uh, during Ramadan and I got a, a vitamin deficiency and I got sick. So in my confusion, I went to Ray Patterson, the general manager of the Houston, the president of the Houston Rockets, and I told him, I quit. I don't want to play basketball anymore. <laughs> so he said, is that, short, is that what you want? And I said, yeah, I don't want to play. So what I was doing, I was suffering from a, uh, what I was doing, I was suffering from a, a vitamin deficiency, and, and, and what I was telling him really wasn't what I wanted to do. I, wanted, I just wanted to take some time off. So my dad called me and he said it was on the Today Show <laughs> that I quit, I, I, I quit the team. And my dad said, Get, go back on the team. So the next day I went back, I went back to Ray Patterson. I said, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't, you know, I want to continue. But the damage had already been done. But you did return to the squad. Yeah, I did, did return, but I never became a, a starting center again in the league. Interesting. It was a stigma that, that, that followed me the rest of my, my career. Zaid, as we know, since 9-11, there's been some prejudice and misconceptions about Islam. What can you share, Zaid? I know you're, you don't claim to be a scholar, religious scholar. What can you share? What are some, some things that people don't know about Islam? That... Well, I mean, uh, the concept of libraries. A library is uh, something that was it's from the Arab world, libraries that we go to today to read. Uh, uh, and the main thing I have to say is, uh, you know, we can't we can't condemn any religion for the acts of one or two people. For sure. For instance, if uh, like if I go back to the Oklahoma City bombing on uh, Timothy McVeigh, uh, Timothy McVeigh uh, was a Christian, but I can't blame the religion of uh, uh, Christianity for, for for terrorism if 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 it was created by one if it was done by one man. Or all religions are like that. You have good people, you have bad people, in all religions. Absolutely. So uh, I, I just I just come to that, that realization. You can't blame something. Uh, if a person does something bad, you know, uh, or, or is a terrorist, that's his problem. Like the way you broke it down, Zaid. Zaid, uh, Laura Ingram of Fox News uh, recently made some comments that LeBron James should just dribble and shut up. What is your take on this Fox News commentary saying that an NBA player basically should not talk about politics? Well, you know, we're, you know, people, we vote, and, and every American has a right to say what, what they feel, feel like saying, uh, even if it's, uh, even if they're not, you know, expert in it. So LeBron came, he's, uh, you know, uh, by saying just dribble, it means like he has no, no, no right to say anything because he's just a basketball player, period. But uh, LeBron is a is a dad. He's a father. Uh, a lot of people love him, uh, and he's a, he's he's a credit to the NBA. He came out from high school, and he's doing a lot of good things. He's a mentor to all people. 
You know, Sid, I'll share some with you, and I, I put you in this group. I, I've known some professional athletes over the years and, and college athletes, and some of the athletes that I've known, you include, are some of the most interesting, complex, thoughtful people I know. And when I, I was personally offended by it, when you hear a national news commentator basically saying that a basketball player should shut up, I, I kind of took it like as a very shallow comment. Oh, well, it's obvious. I mean, so that, that, that comment alone kind of testifies to what it is. I try not to get my personal opinions too much into this show, but I, I, I Miss Ingram's comments are going to get a response from me as well. Well, I applaud you for that, uh, Paul. Absolutely. Zaid, uh, there was an interesting story, and I know your experience at Iowa State was a little bit complex, but you went back years ago and had your number retired, and you mentioned your book that it, it was kind of therapeutic, wasn't it? It was very therapeutic because me and I would say we had some issues because uh, my friend Willie Muldrew was, uh, I won't go into details, but my friend was killed. He was murdered right there in Ames, Iowa, and I'd never forget that. So even uh, it, uh, me and Iowa State, we had some issues about, uh, about that situation with Willie being murdered. So uh, I'll, let, I'll let you, you know, read the book to find out what really happened. Yeah, no, I, I remember reading it uh, in the book, and, and like I said, I'm being kind of careful to make sure I don't give away your whole your whole uh, interesting book. Zay, when you play in the NBA, I know you play with Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, some great players. Who are a couple players that you play with, or at least that you think really stood out in their talents? Well, this is uh, uh, I, I I always uh, the toughest player I had played against. What was his name? Uh, Zelmo Beatty. Zelmo used to give me a hard time. Good player. Yeah, very good player. And uh, he would just blanket me the whole game. I just couldn't, I couldn't move. And uh, I think he was probably the toughest defensive player I ever played played against. And uh, what's the name of the red hair guy for the? I forgot his name. Bill Walton. Uh, no, not Bill Walton. Uh, I forgot his name, but uh, he was he was also good. I'm sure I'm sure he's going to be happy when I see him. I'm going to tell him you you know I, you know he was really the way he played. I, I can't remember. I wish I could remember his name. I'm sorry. Well, we'll 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 get back to it later. Zay, we're about wrapping up here, and uh, we only have about a minute left. And I know you're working on a children's book right now. But tell us what's in the future for Zay Abdulaziz. Well, what, what these kids are very important to me. Uh, I have six of my own, so uh, I got like eight grandkids. So uh, <laughs> anyway, when I when I do a lot of speaking, I go to Amazon. Uh, I mean, I go to uh, Barnes and Noble, and I go to you know different venues to 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 promote my book uh most of the kids all want to become nba basketball players and uh, i can't tell them but you know that's almost it's going to be hard to do that uh so uh what i try to instill in them or tell them is to okay you want to become an nba basketball player but have a backup plan no what what do you have as a backup plan and i go okay look my backup plan is I'm a writer. I'm an author. When I go around the country, people say I'm an author. That's my backup plan. So each one of you have have to have to have a backup plan. So I wrote a little book or about it's about ten pages, twelve pages on become or on having a backup plan, and it's really good for kids. Zade, thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff. I hope to have you back one day. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks a lot. I really. Oh, I got the name. I'm sorry, Dennis Autry. Dennis Autry. Yeah, yeah he yeah, was. Really. He gave me fits. Dennis Autry. Tall guy. I, yeah, he, he's not. He's about my size, six nine, six ten, but he gave me fits. Former Sonic too. Former Sonic. Yes. Thanks, Zade. Thank you.